I'm going to be reading from Second uh, Peter today, chapter 3, and I'm going to read it all. The points the Lord has put on my heart really stimulate from the, uh, or come from the opening part of the scripture. In verse 2, it said, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. And boy, that got a hold of me. If you don't know the truth, the Lord's been dealing with me about a lot of stuff this week, and I was having a hard time deciding where I was heading today, and and just kept praying the Lord just put this whole chapter on my heart. But what he's putting on our heart is is things that, that Peter was trying to remind the church of. And and the first point that we'll make through the scripture, and you can be, uh, of course, there's many other things I'm sure you'll pick up today. But one of the first things, remember, uh, scoffers will come. That's in verse 3. And then uh, people uh, deliberately refused to remember. In other words, they knew the truth, but yet just refused it. And that's verse 5. And then remember, you're God's child, and that's really in verse 2. And then remember to be kingdom-minded in verse 15. But that's the four points today that, that I'm going to try to hit, and I believe the Lord's put on my heart for today. But let's just start out by reading the Scripture today. And, and, uh, and, and anyway, in verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. And a lot of times if you think I keep hitting and beating a dead horse, Peter did it too. And he's apologizing for it right off the bat. He goes, this is on my mind. But he goes, I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles and so what he's telling us to remember is what the prophet said, what Jesus said, and what the apostles preached. He's wanting us to remember those things. But most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. So the most important thing on Peter's mind here in this scripture was that we not forget that Christ is returning. And we'll get into that a little bit later. That we cannot forget that Christ is returning. And I thought this song was appropriate today. The last song they sang, uh, I didn't coach them in what to sing today. But, but are you ready for Christ to come back? You know, I was watching you guys today. I was doing a lot of peeking during worship. And some of you make me wonder if you're ready for Christ to come back. If you're excited for Christ to come back. Uh, do you even believe Christ is in existence? You know, where are we at there? Uh, is that important to us? Well, that was the most important thing that Peter was reminding the church of that, that in the last days, scoffers are going to be talking about, where's your Christ at? We'll get into that a little bit later. But verse 4, they will say, what happened to this promise Jesus that Jesus is coming? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world for, was created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Verse 7, and the same word uh, that presents uh, the heavens and the earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. 
The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And Joja really hit on that in her talk today, but, but he's been patient for our sake so that we're where we need to be. And he's been patient so that others may be found with Christ. Where am I at? 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and the hurrying it and hurrying it along. I thought today when we were singing that last song, are we praying that, that Christ would return? Are we longing for Christ to return today? Verse 13, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth as he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what a beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are, are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on your guard. Then you will not be carried, that you will not be carried away by your heirs of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and, and all glory to him both now and forever. Amen. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, we just uh, love on you today, Lord. Father, we just uh, ask that you move mightily on our hearts today, Lord, that we would would see you, that we would hear you, Lord, that we'd respond to you. And Father, uh, you're here. Father, you're all around us. And Father, you're wanting all of us. And Father, all it takes is us yielding to you to receive that. And Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to just worship you and to love on you. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing that Paul was talking about here of all, or Peter, excuse me, of all the things that, that, that he, we read about in the scripture, it was the most important thing that we remember is that scoffers will come mocking the truth. And he was talking about the foundational truths and the, and, and the reason they did this is because they were following after their own evil desires. Uh, I was trying to think of some foundational truth that, that I know that the world is attacking, but but I can remember when I was in seminary that 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 some uh, that we were talking about around the world were attacking the virgin birth. Uh, that's a fundamental foundation doctrine. If Christ wasn't born of a virgin birth, then we don't have anything to stand on. You know, I tried to think of some other things that that we would hear, and and what Paul was, or excuse me, Peter was addressing in this scripture was that people had begun to doubt the return of Christ.
Man, that's a fan, fundamental doctrine. You know, if, if Christ isn't going to come back for me, what good does it do for me to serve him? You know, if Christ didn't, you know, live, die, raise again, and come back for me, what good is the gospel? You know, something else I thought about was universalism. Most of you kids are hearing that in college. They're pounding it in college that there's other ways to heaven, you know, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But, but this world has taken fundamental truths, fundamental doctrine, and, and Jesus, or Peter here, through Jesus, the Holy Ghost, is telling us these are scoffers that are coming in and trying to destroy what he's trying to do in your lives. And, and just so you know, a scoffer is someone that speaks about something in a scornful, decisive, they could even be in a teasing way, a mocking way, but, but they're doing insane things to downplay the things of God. And, and again, in this instant here is what happened to that promise that Jesus is coming again. You know, we may think that that's, you know, we're laughing at that and that's not that big a deal. But how many of you have even doubted in your own heart, is, is Christ coming back? Is Christ even existing? Is, is Christ the real and alive? And if we allow these, these, these untruths, these scoffings to come in, they will weaken our faith. And that's what Paul was warning the church of. People that were second-guessing the coming of Christ. People that were second-guessing Christ in general. But that's been the Satan's tactics from the beginning. And we speak on that from the very, you know, almost every service here. But we need to realize from the very beginning, Satan's goal has to say to you, did God really say that to make you not believe what God's called you to do? You know, he started with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? When God's dealing with you about something, did God really say that? But he'll put people in your life that, that will come in and say, well, did God really say that, Pastor Kent? Did God really tell you to do that? And so people will be placed in our life. Satan will use people. And, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure sometimes they even know that they're being used. Uh, uh, I went into the other day and this person, I'm not going to say any more the, the, about him, but, but, but I went into the store and, and they walked up to me and they said, Pastor Kid, have you heard about this couple? And, and that's a red flag to me whenever somebody comes in and asks me about some gossip on this couple. And, and my flags went up immediately. I went on alert immediately because I don't want to get caught up in that because nine times out of ten, what happens is, is they're going to go back to that couple and say, Pastor Kent said this. And, and they're, 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 they don't realize it, but they like to talk. And sometimes, and to be honest with you, this person specifically, the Lord told me they don't even understand what they're doing. They're not even facetious. This person's just trying to gain your approval. They want to be accepted by you. What you need to do is just love on them. And so I began to encourage them and love on them and, and just work with them and, and tried not to get caught up in, and didn't get caught up in any of that discussion because it isn't worth it. And as I noticed, as I began to detour the conversation, they began to change. And so we need to realize that sometimes people don't even realize, sometimes we don't even realize what we say. And we need to be real careful about that. But Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, is we need to stay alert. We need to watch out for the great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. Now, Satan can't devour us. He doesn't have the authority to devour us. But he prowls around and looks for people to use to devour you. Or he looks for ways to devour you. So he's always out there looking and, and, and waiting for that opportunity to pounce. And we need to be alert on both sides. We need to be alert not to be used, but we also need to be alert when people do scoff and say things about us where it's coming from. And so that's what I think Peter was trying to tell the church. Christ is coming back no matter what they say. Christ is going to do what he spoke over your life no matter what anybody says. God does not revoke his calling. I don't care if you've messed up so bad that you don't think God could ever do anything in your life. He doesn't revoke his calling upon your life. Just press yourself into him and we'll get into that later. But point two really sealed this deal with me is that verse 3, 5, 2 Peter 3, 5 said, the scoffer deliberately forgot that God made the heavens and the earth. Deliberately means consciously, intentionally, on purpose. So these people, these scoffers, a lot of times they know what they're doing. They understand what they're doing. They have intent behind what they are doing. And so, you know, we got to be discernful because I just told you that some don't have a clue what they're doing. Well, guys, there's some that do. And we need to be able to discern that. Because the second Peter 3, 3 says they do it because they're following their own desires. Even the one that was unintentional, they were craving for attention. But people deliberately forget about the things of God because they're of their own evil desires. In other words, they desire this world over the things of God. They desire to build their kingdom over the things of God. I talked to you guys a couple of weeks ago about hates and love less, and, and let's pop that scripture back up again. But, but Luke said in 1426, actually these were Jesus' words, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother or father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And then we jump down to John 12, 25, is whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And I share with you on the Greek word for, for hate in these two scriptures specifically means that love less. That we need to love less these things. In other words, keep God number one. And we need to love less this world and all these things uh, that, that cause us these desires that cause us to do ugly things. And so if you want to go to slide nine there, I, I, I really, really believe the Lord said to re-illustrate this again today. Man, you can't find any people that I love more than right there. And right now, I, I've really struggled with it because Jonathan was in the first service and me and Jonathan moved Joshua to Austin, Texas. And we did it and, and I had a meeting in Kansas City. So I had to drive to Kansas City, go to the meeting, come back to Lamar, pick Jonathan up, and be in Austin, Texas, and we did it in, in one day. We were booking. And when I get down there, uh, I pay for everything, and, and I do everything, I unload everything. His mom is with her, him today. She went down Thursday, 
And if you've seen Facebook, he's got her massages. He's got the facials or something else. I can't remember. And, and, and he's taking her to the movies. And not the movies that, I, that you and me go to. These movie theaters have recliners. And, and you can order supper there. I got one in Springfield now. And, and he's taking her to that. They've been there twice. They've been at the pool. He is whining and dying. He's not whining, but he's dining his mom, okay? And, and, and I'm like, he didn't do that for me. And kind of, kind of, kind of stop, I'm kind of scoffing right now. But, but I still love him more than you can imagine. And, and I love Amy and, and Karen more than you can imagine. And, and I love myself, believe it or not. I don't like myself a lot of times. I, 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 anyhow, it's another story. But, but I love these people. But God says we need to love them less than him. And so he wasn't saying to hate them. He's just saying to love them less. In other words, we need to love God and his word more than anything else. And we need to keep it above everything else. And, and when my wife comes in and says, you know, hey, you know, you've been preaching this for 30 years and Christ has not come back. What's up with that? And I need to say to her, honey, I understand your, what you're saying here, but, you know, Christ is coming back. That's his word. And we need to always fall on the side of the word. And we stand on the side of the word. And we owe it to them to speak the word. And that's something that really hit me first service is that we need to realize that a lot of times that people are deliberate in what they're saying. Uh, they know what they're planning uh, and this Methodist thing that's going on. I guarantee you they got it planned out to the T. They know what they're doing. It's deliberate, but they go in there acting like, oh, yeah, we didn't mean nothing by it. No, we weren't thinking about it. It just kind of happened that way. And we need to be deliberate in return and standing against the things that are ungodly. And quit sitting to the side and saying, oh, I don't need to say anything. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I can make them cry or something. When a lot of times they are being deliberate about what they're doing. And we need to speak to it. On the other side of that, people are dying for us to speak to it. Um, every time that I ever minister to somebody and speak to something, they're glad we did in the end. They want somebody to jump in there. They're begging for somebody to jump in there. But we need to be delivered in loving God and letting people know how much we love God. Standing in there. Pressing into Him. That takes us into point three. But we need to remember who you are. We need to remember that God is our Father. And as Jesus' own words said in verse 2, I want you to remember the holy prophets. I want you to remember Jesus my son, and what he said. I want you to remember the apostles and the words that they spoke to you. And in this specific deal here, the message to the Jews that, that Peter was bringing them was that, that, one, they were the family of God. That God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them. He gave them the revelation. He gave them the privilege of worshiping God. He gave them the privilege of receiving God's promises. And the Jews would be the race that would produce the Messiah, that did produce the Messiah, who is God over everything. And if you caught in that scripture, Peter, what we read today, Peter made a comment and referred back to Paul and how Paul was preaching who they were in Jesus Christ. 
Well, I don't know specifically the scripture Peter was talking about or the letter, but I just read to you Romans 9, on what, uh, 9, 4, and 5, what Paul was telling the people to remember. To remember who you are. But also, if you read in Romans eleven seventeen, he gave a message to the Gentile. If you're not a Jew here today, you're a Gentile. And, and that pretty much covers all of us in the room. It does cover everybody. But to the Gentile, Romans eleven seventeen says, who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessings God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. So what Paul was saying now, not only to the Jew, but to the Gentile, Oakton, we, you and I, are the family of God. We need to remember we are God's family. We are God's children. We need to remember that God revealed his glory to us. We need to remember that God made the same covenant with us. He gave us the same revelation, the same privilege of worshiping him and receiving his promises. We need to recognize today who he is. We need to recognize his love for us so that we can stand against the scoffers and the schemes of the devil. Now, the Lord really hit me with this this week. To accomplish this, we need to enjoy his presence. And, and, and I, I, I keep pounding guys' prayer and word. And, 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 and everybody's like, oh, we know, pastor, prayer and word. But the Lord really hit me last night. We need, or this week, we need to really enjoy his presence through prayer. When you pray, you will experience his presence. And, and the Lord, been, like I said, was dealing with me about this this week. So when I went to the youth, the Lord told me to take the Lord's Prayer and go to the youth and just review it with them. And then after you reviewed it with them, uh, go over these points. But, but I want you to read the Lord's Prayer with me first here today. Can you do it? So let's do it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us not our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know when I read that or asked the youth about that, I'd say 80% of them didn't even know what the Lord's Prayer was. Do you believe that today? You know, and I got thinking about it, is that my fault as a pastor? I got to thinking, my mom's the one that taught me the Lord's Prayer. I remember sitting in the house or in a circle as kids and holding hands and reciting the Lord's Prayer and having Bible study every night almost. My family, my mom and dad taught me the Lord's Prayer. But these kids couldn't understand the, the prayer and the presence of God that is there. Or maybe they could, I don't know, but... But I asked him that. So we, like I said, we read the scripture here. And the Lord just told me four points to review with them. And, and compare it to a peanut butter sandwich. So that they would remember it. Because we need to remember that the presence of God comes through prayer. And, and pressing into him. And so I took a peanut butter sandwich up there and I said, what's it take? What did you see in the scripture? But the first thing the Lord told us is Jesus tells us to praise God. Jesus teaches us to ask God to provide for what we need each day. And you know, when I asked him, what does uh, 
what do you need each day? You know what the answer was? Cell phone. Every answer was multimedia. Is what they, they, they needed, their, the thing they needed the most. That's kind of scary. So I brought up the kids in Africa, and I said, you know, over there, they may have a cell phone, but it probably doesn't have much time on it, but, but they're asking the Lord to provide food and water. And, and oh, yeah, that's, pretty, that's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, I probably take that for granted. But, you know, I said, maybe, maybe it's even more than that. The word said and the prayer said that we pray that God even knows what we need before we pray it. If you back up and read ahead of that. And we're just supposed to ask God to provide for us and trust him. And, and so we're back to point one that we need to press in to prayer and presence and praising his name. And, and ask him just to provide our daily bread. In other words, we don't spend our whole t- prayer time in praying for a new cell phone. The third point, Jesus teaches us how to ask for God's forgiveness for times of falling short. And boy, that ministered to a lot of, we kept hitting how that that if you're carrying unforgiveness, it's hurting you and nothing else, nobody else. And we need to get the unforgiveness out of there. But then the last thing is how we need to be kingdom-minded. And a lot of you are thinking, uh, peanut butter sandwich is just bread and peanut butter and jelly. You got to have bacon, guys. Mm. Add the bacon. So that's where I get the four there. But anyway, they, uh, I got one yeah out of that. Nobody usually likes that. It's really good. But anyway, we said, hey, guys, we said the prayer. We said these things. Now let's get alone and, and we, let's talk to God about them. And there's many more things I think that, that we could talk about. But I asked him again. The time had got away. I was wanting to do it for 20 minutes. But we only had like 25 minutes left. And I said, you guys get alone and pray for five minutes. Then I'll call you and then we'll go out and play. And so we turned them loose. Well, guys, a, a kid came up and talked to me right off the bat. Couldn't do it. He didn't even know how to read. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, how many times that, that we don't recognize that maybe kids are acting up because they don't know how to read. I was one of those kids once. And anyway, uh, but we began to read with to him and shared him the scripture and, and kind of went through it with him, or one of the helpers did. But anyway, after about five minutes, the helpers raised their hand. Pastor, it's been five minutes. I said, okay, kids, five minutes is up. Go ahead and head outside. Not one kid moved. We began to time them after I thought about it. We began to time them to see how long they would stay. The first kid that got up and went outside to play was another five minutes, so we figured probably they'd prayed a total of 12 minutes or so and only required to do five. And the point is, is when we get into the presence, we like it. When we get into prayer and we really seek God in the right ways, that we're going to experience Him. But the neat thing about that is about half the kids stayed for almost all the time, but three, two to three kids stayed the whole time. We had to go get them and say, hey, it's time to go home. And so when we get into prayer and pray the right ways and seek God the right ways, in other words, that's how Jesus taught us to pray, we're going to experience the presence. So we can enjoy the presence. We can enjoy prayer with God. And and that's what it's going to take for us to grow the way we need to grow in the things of God.
And, and that's what Peter, I believe, was trying to tell the church is you need to press in and begin to love and devour the things of God. And about midnight, or it's probably actually about one o'clock last night, uh, uh, when your wife's gone and I kind of lay in bed and just think, so I flipped the TV on, was just uh, uh, listening to this Christian station. But this guy was going on there about, uh, this was the day before, I think. But either way, it's just tough when your wife's gone, you know. Am I getting any sympathy? I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. But the Lord was talking to us, and this, this next point I want to make is enjoying the Word of God. Enjoying the Word of God, it will strengthen your faith. And I'm talking about it's different from preparing a sermon. There's nothing wrong with preparing a sermon. I'm talking about when I just enjoy going out and getting in the Word and just studying the Word and letting God speak. And I'd had this background going on, and, and I don't know what, but the guy said one thing that caught my ear. And, and it was about, we're talking about the transfiguration. And, and anyway, one thing that caught my ear and caught my attention was when he began to say the meaning of the disciples' names. And again, I'm not going to read the scripture today. Uh, I added this in. It's in small print because I didn't want to mess up my slideshow. But what we see here in the, in the scripture is that Moses and Elijah we're at the transfiguration in Matthew 17, 3. And the point is here today, I want you to check me out on all this because I could be missing it a little bit. But I just got excited about the Word. And I just began to chase the Word and, and study it. And God just began to dump in me. And it was so much fun. And next thing I know, an hour, an hour and a half had gone by. But, but they, the, the Moses and Elijah were there in Matthew 17, 3. They were representing the Old Covenant. Jesus was there representing the new covenant. Peter, James, and John were there, Verses or Matthew 17, 1 says. You know, they were considered Christ's inner circle. We see them with Christ at special times. Whenever Christ went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked Peter, James, and John to pray with him. You know, other special times, he asked these three to kind of to step in, this leadership class. That's kind of what it's about. It's people in the body of Christ at Oakton that, you know, we want to go to a higher level. We want to step out more in the things of God, come to this leadership class. That's what this was about. You know, we're wanting more, and Jesus was inviting them in. Well, they were also at the transfiguration. They, you know, they were there a part of that. We see in verse 2 that Jesus was transformed before their very eyes. But again, because of what happened to Christ, we are saved and we are transformed and that's a doctrinal truth that blesses me today. But the thing is, the names of the disciples, get this, Peter's name in Hebrew means stone. James' name means to replace. If you look it up, it's going to call it supplanter, which uh, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but S-U-P-P-L-A-T-E-R. But supplanter means supersede and replace. That's what James' name means. This is Jesus' inner circle. John's name means God grace in Hebrew. Put these three, three names together, it means the stone, the law, has been replaced by grace. Isn't that powerful? And you guys think, oh, it's not that big a deal. Check me out on this. It, it really isn't. But just to see the way God intertwines his word, God just didn't throw things out there and just kind of play it by ear. Man, everything he, you see, you see his ultimate plan. 
And so as I began to pray and think about it, I remembered that Jesus loved Peter, but man, he favored John, grace. Jesus loved the law, but he favored grace. We note that Peter was martyred, the stone, the law was martyred, it was taken away, but John lived a full life of grace. Guys, all I'm trying to say today is we need to keep pressing in to the things of God. And as we press into the Word and we see the excitement there in prayer and we press into the, the, and experience His presence like that, the next thing you know, you're not watching TV. You know, that's what we need to be doing, guys, is getting our kids excited about the Word of God like that instead of wanting their computers being the favorite thing or their phones. Because I can tell you, I still clash today, and the kids know what I'm talking about, but I I value my word. And if I had a choice, I'd pick my word every time. And so we can enjoy God's word and who he is. So we need to remember who we are is that point we just made, and we do it through prayer, and we do it through word, and just enjoying God's presence, putting ourselves in that place to receive And then the last point here is is that we need to be kingdom-minded. Peter answered to those uh, doubting Christ at his return. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. So when the scoffers were out doing their things, Peter kept the patience. Peter Peter stayed to the word. He stayed in prayer. And he said to the people, and remember our Lord's patience gives time for people to be saved. And that really caught me. You know, daily we're seeing salvations throughout this world. There's not a day that goes by that somebody's not saved. Are your people saved? We need to be kingdom-minded, but are our people saved? Are our children saved? Do we really believe that Christ is coming back? Or we've watered it down so much that, that we're not even pressing in and challenging our family and our friends on their relationship with the world or or with Christ. Where is it at? But are we pressing in to the salvation? Believers are kingdom-minded because God is kingdom-minded. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God desires all people to be saved and to come into the knowledge of His truth. And I read that to you all the time. But Moses in Exodus 32, 32, loved his people so much that when God was bringing judgment against Israel, Moses said to him, but now if you will forgive their sins, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Moses loved his people so much that when they were living like the devil, that he pleaded for God, let me take their place. Let me step in there. If you're going to take them out, take me out, God. And you know how many times that Moses' intercession saved people. What about Sodom and Gomorrah? It started out here and ended up here. Moses' intercession and willing to stand in the gap for those unsaved changed lives. Then we see Paul himself in Romans 9, 3, for if I could wish that I myself were accused and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul himself 
loved the Jewish people so much, his friends, his family, and his brothers so much that he wanted to step in and, and said that if I would die and go to hell for them, I would do it. Man, that's a pretty heavy statement. You know, Paul quickly says after that that he realizes only Christ can provide that. But he loved his people so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own body so that they could receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus loved you so much that in while you were yet sinners, he did give his life for you. So I say to you that, that we are kingdom-minded, then we should be willing to give our life spiritually for people regardless. In other words, that, that once we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we should love God's kingdom and his plan so much that we're willing to give everything we have to following him. Even on the physical side, if you want to get there, would you be willing, if, if, if you knew an unsaved friend was going to die of a car accident, to say, Lord, take me instead? Because you believed in what you were talking about so much that you knew you'd go to be with the Lord and they wouldn't. Or them war stories you hear about in World War II and Korean War and all the wars to where a Christian man stepped in front of a bullet of an unsaved person to, to save their life, not physically but spiritually. Because when they drew their last breath, they would beat the dates of hell wide open if they weren't saved. Are we willing, like Paul and Peter and, and, and Jesus and God and really the believers in general, to give our lives completely to God spiritually. I'm not sure the church world is there. You know, this saying that I'll return, you know, God made the comment and spoke through the prophets that, that you know, it's just a, people are getting saved and I'm going to keep delaying until then. Does that mean that at a point in time the, that the church is going to get so bad that, that we quit leading people to Christ, then he'll come back? I don't know. Again, that's something I'd like to dig into. But Jesus made that comment, through the, or the Holy Ghost made that comment through the Scriptures here through Peter. That, man, I'm not coming back because people are getting saved. When I was in Vienna and actually going overseas, if you want to pop that slide up, please, 16, I think. But, but this here you see a lot. I think this was in Vienna. Or, no, this was Brussels. It says it right there. But, but this catches my eye every time because they have ways to give in the airports. And the stinking teddy bear gets more money every time than things that are kind of even associated with helping people. And that's, that's scary to me. You know, it's a, I think the people thought I was crazy, but, but UNICEF and got little. Red Cross got hardly anything. And I can't read the one on the right, but I was literally looking in there and counting the, the bills and the euros and, and all the money in there. And it was a, guys, I guarantee you, people care more about the, the bear coming extinct than they do people getting saved. And that's a scary place to be. You know, when we go out and spend more money on our animals than we would on the kingdom of God. I think at times when I've had them... Uh, them dogs that, that uh, I can't remember what they were, but I had these high-powered dog charpes, and we paid 500 bucks a piece for them. And we had one get hit by a car, 
We knew it was going to die, but we took it to the vet anyway and dumped another $500,000 into a dying dog. And we had another one get hit by a car. And same deal. It seems like no matter what, $500 to $1,000, and they die anyway. But, but would we give $1,000 to, to the kingdom? Would you put $1,000 in the offering plate? Would you put $1,000 into to winning a soul to the kingdom of God? And that's where, you know, God's taking us, I believe, as a body. Uh, you know, kingdom people, our morals have got to be God first, then spouse, then children, then church, and then job. After that, I don't care. And, and I threw the job in there because it's going around right now. You don't have to do a lick. Just serve God. He'll take care of you. Guys, that's not from the... God worked for six days and rested on the seventh and said it was good. Uh, water gardens, I love helping water gardens because on their benevolence, they just don't give it out. They believe the word says you need to work. And when you go into water gardens, I sit there and watch them do it. You walk up and they already know most of them's name. They'll look them up and they go, how much time do I got? The one specifically that was standing the day I was there, you got 14 more minutes. She immediately walked over to a desk and started taking a computer apart for recycling. And I said, well, what's she doing that she's getting points for? Once that time's up, then she gets the meal or the clothes or whatever she wants. We believe that God works. We should work. And, and this world's telling you different right now. And so anyway, but we need to be morally in there. And God's got to be first. Spouse got to be second. Uh, the other thing that the Lord hit me on this Lord's Prayer last week, if, if we had forgiveness in, their, in our lives, there wouldn't be divorce. Did you get that? If we have forgiveness in our lives, there wouldn't be troubles between me and my kids. Now, I'm talking both ways. We got to press in and be direct in the Word of God and everything that we're doing. It's so neat how the Lord prepares things here. But we did that service on forgiveness uh, with the kids, and it was fresh on my mind. And, and I was driving back from Carthage. I got a call at 10 to go to a family's house that had been fighting and feuding. And they've been, it's been going on for years. It's, it's a, an, a, a close family. And they've been separated and just been a bad time. And anyway, I heard the blah, blah, blah. And then, excuse me, I'm not a mercy guy. I thank God for Norman. I thank God for JoJo at one camp because I can be pretty harsh sometimes and I need to be more merciful. But, but I'm in there listening to all this and I'm like, guys, I'm tired of talking about it. You invited me in here to take care of it. And, and finally, I said that. And I go, we're going to start speaking this. And we went around the room and spoke that over each and every one of them. And, and I believe that we've got to be that deliberate and that intentional. Because they are all saying, I want a fresh start. But we keep making that circle. And I believe when we speak it, it gives the Lord an opportunity to start doing his thing. Because a lot of times I don't feel like doing something. But the minute I speak it, then it gives God the opportunity. And I believe God was able to do a new fresh thing in that family because whether they filled it or not, they willed it because God's word said it. And so we need to be deliberate about those things. That's being kingdom minded. 
We need to care about God, spouse, children, church, and our jobs. And, and there's other things that you could probably put in there, but that's where I'm at right now. But kingdom-minded people will give 100% of their time, their tithe, and their talent. Do you have that passion today? And the Lord's really put it on my heart. A lot of times the things that, that maybe bother you, the things that upset you that may be going on in your life, in the church, in different places, are things that God wants you to move out in spiritually and make a difference. In other words, you may want to see the children head this direction. Well, maybe you need to get involved in the children because that's where God's pushing you or youth or wherever it may be. You may have a passion for giving and want to see that something's done and paid off in the body. Well, maybe God's calling you to be that person. Because I believe God is gifted and talented, everybody in here with a passion to build his kingdom. But my biggest concern with Oakton and the church in general is that we have settled with what God has already accomplished. And that's my biggest fear. Uh, we begin to listen to scoffers instead of God. You know, we've already did this. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't hear. And we begin to listen. Look, you know, we did this, that, and the other. But this was the late night one that, that I heard that I was talking about earlier. Matthew fourteen twenty eight. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, well, come, Peter. And so Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Did you get that? And Peter walked on the water towards Jesus. People always say that Peter had no faith. Have you ever walked on the water? I haven't. Is anybody in here? And Peter had more faith than we do. But so many times they dogged Peter out when Peter walked on water. At the end, he may have got his eyes on the flesh and fell in the water, but he walked on water. And the only other person I know that's done that is Jesus himself. But Peter actually believed that Jesus could do the big things. That's why he walked on water. Peter was a water walker and believed God could do big things. We need to be water walkers and believe God can do big things in our personal lives, but not only in our personal lives, in the, in the lives of this congregation. We need to start thinking that way. If Jesus said it, that's good enough for me. Let's do it. But there's 11 other people in the boat, and I call them boat dwellers. But boat dwellers are small thinkers. They were listening to the scoffers in their minds. You can't do it. Stay in the boat. They were small thinking people, and small thinking people will keep us in our boat. A lot of times the small thinking is a result of comfort. As we have so much comfort in the United States, it scares me. Um, man, you go overseas, we got it so good. The poorest person in here is the richest over there. And, and I long for the comforts. I want to cut the trip short sometimes because I desire the comforts so much. And, and, and when we get the 
wanting the comfort more than being water walkers. That's a scary place to be. But we all can be water walkers. And I saw that Tuesday night. I, I, you know, I said earlier my biggest concern with, with Oakland is that we have settled. But I wasn't expecting a big turnout Tuesday night for the charge conference on Golden City because we'd already passed it at board. And normally when something's passed at board, we have 10 or 15 show up. But the district superintendent was late because Google run them down 30th Road for whatever reason. And it was probably one of you farmers were in the middle of the road talking to another farmer and she couldn't get around. And she was late. And anyway, we were a little late getting into the room. And we walked in the room, and I was just overwhelmed by the people that were there. And the funny thing about it is, is we had 44 in the room that night. But I had at least 10 or 15 others call me or email me that, hey, I wanted to be there. Wish we could have been there. And since have had more. But what blessed me on that is they want to be water walkers. You know, you want to be water walkers. We want to be water walkers. I understand the concern sometimes. I, I, I'll tell you guys straight up. I was on cloud nine that night, but I woke up the next morning in a cold sweat. My bed was wet from sweat. I've learned that when the devil's tormenting me, I'm better off to get up and go pray. And, and Manny was messing with my mind. You can't do this. You're leading them down a path. In other words, a scoffer. You can't be water people. You can't do this. You can't do that. You need to focus on home. You need to focus on this. You can't, you can't, man, it was eating me up. And I literally got up and went out and, and started, I ended up going out a long ways and praying through because I don't want it to be me. I want it to be God. Everything we do, I want it to be God. And I want it to be done as a church body, and I want to be water walkers together. And, and, and I was praying about that and praying about it, and I had two small confirmations coming back from people just stopping talking to me on the road that didn't even know what it was going on in my life. But then I pulled up the drive, and my dad pulls out the drive over here, and, and he knew it was eating up on me, and he goes, man, you ought to be excited. And, and he goes, 44 people come out in support of that. That's more than most anything we've ever done. I got to looking at it. We had 90 that voted to do Carthage that time. Other than that, we hadn't had that many come out. And he said, that was a church decision. That's not your decision. And we're going to be okay. But it's so neat that how that when we do get out in the presence of God, that he'll put people in your lives that confirm what you're doing and will support you and, and be there with you. We're not alone in this game. God is always with us. Amy had sent me a deal on uh, one of the, the kings that we talked on a few weeks ago. And it was Joash, and he's a king of Judah. And I'm going to just have her pop the scripture up, and we'll quickly go through it. But, but she said it would minister to what we were talking about and what we were been going through. But he went to Elijah because the Syrian army was just overcoming Israel. And the Syrian army was just devastating them. And he came, and actually I think they'd already wiped out, that was Judah, they'd already wiped out Israel, I believe. They remember there were two nations at the time. And anyway, uh, when, whenever Joash went to Elijah, Elijah was on his deathbed, by the way, and he grabbed his hand 
And he told him to grab the arrows and his bow and shoot the arrow out of the east window. And he did it, and he was telling him how God was going to bless him and prosper him. God is with you, all the things. You're going to be a water walker. Man, you're going to be all this. You're going to be all that. And, and he told him to grab the, the, the sticks, which I believe were the arrows, and to tap them on the floor, each one of them, to tap them on the floor. And he grabbed one, and he tapped it. He grabbed two, and he tapped it. He grabbed three, and he tapped it. And then he stopped, and he went on. And Elijah got angry, and he yelled at him. He said, why didn't you do five, six, or more? Why didn't you take the whole thing? Why didn't you press into the full anointing of what I've given you? And boy, the Lord really hit me with that. You know, that, that God wants to bless us completely through. God wants to move completely through our lives. And, and, and I'll just speak it as a church, but, but that first arrow for Oakton, what God has done at Oakton Central. Man, we tap that arrow on the ground and look where God has taken us. District superintendent, uh, she doubled the church where she was from and had done great things for the Lord. And she was amazed when she came here. How have you done that in the mountain, in the middle of nowhere? Man, we tapped the arrow into the anointing and God blessed us. Then I remember the second arrow that we tapped. We tapped that arrow and, and went to Carthage and, and look at the things that God has done in Carthage. And I shared with you last week how the Lord had just moved on me that how nine years ago we had nothing and we have them run 100 to 130 people there that weren't there nine years ago. How we tapped into that anointing. And then the Lord showed me that something I think we forget a lot of is we talked about last week was missions. How we grabbed that arrow of missions and we tapped it into the anointing and how God has used us to literally change the world. How that God has used us in Albania and in Africa, Mozambique and Liberia and Burma and India and all these other places. Israel, we can just go on and on and on. How we were water walkers there. But are we going to be like the king of Joash of Judah and settle into a comfort zone? Or should we tap that arrow, and we did the other night, of that fourth arrow of Golden City? But what anointing is the fifth arrow? What anointing is the sixth arrow? In other words, we never satisfy, we never compromise. We are kingdom-minded. We kept pressing into, we keep pressing into the things of God. We're leaving out to Kansas City VBS. Didn't even talk about that, but we've tapped that anointing and that arrow. And look at the hundreds of lives that have been saved from you guys giving in to the anointing and allowing the Lord to use you. But the problem we get into is for whatever reason, Joash, he settled. He just wanted a little bit of God. Three things. Well, you guys go ahead and read the scripture. He kicked a serious or a serious tail one time. He kicked serious tail the second time. He kicked serious tail the third time. And the fourth time he went to Syria, they were taken off into captivity. Because he quit tapping the arrow. He gave in to the scoffers. He gave in to the worldly thinking, if you will. And I've thrown a lot at you today. Uh, a lot of stuff I want you to check me out on. Go in and do your own studies on these things. You need to check every word I say, but we need to enjoy God's word. We need to enjoy his presence and just dig into him. But we need to be deliberate and intentional in moving forward in our faith and the things of God.